Megan Keveny. Welcome to season two, episode one. All right, I am recording this from an air mattress in Williamsburg because I moved to fucking New York, okay? We got a lot to fucking talk about. So I'll fill you guys in on what happened in between season one and season two in a minute, all right? We're going to get to it, but... I want to give like my vision for this podcast real quick because it's going to be really different this season, like similar vibe of how the podcast will feel, but just a bit of a different structure. So the vision I have, I kind of see us all as like long distance besties. Okay. I have literally had some of the most fulfilling relationships of my life with people that we didn't like even live in the same city as each other. Um, And that it literally started with my best friend in college, whose name is also Megan. She moved away. She graduated the year before me. So she moved back to California. And I was like, what do we do? Like, you are my best friend. And we just like decided like, you know what? We're going to call each other. We're going to feel it out. We made a rule that you never get to make each other feel bad about how much time is passing between the calls. Because like life happens, we get busy, you know, it's nothing personal. And to this day, she is one of my closest friends. And that set the foundation for me to have some of the most fulfilling relationships I've ever had in my life. Like moving from Dallas to Houston was such a big move for me years ago. And I left all of my close friends except one. And then I moved farther away to Chicago. So it's like I've had years and years of moving away from friends after I also grew up moving almost every single year as a kid for like six years. I moved once a year and, you know, in my 20s when I started to kind of figure out how to make that work. And it really all boils down to phone calls. I see these friends from time to time. Yes. But we really just call each other when things are going on. So that's kind of how I see season two going. It's like, you know when I'm going to give you a ring is when I have some shit to say. <laughs> like, I'm not really going to do an episode every single week because, bitch, it is not that serious. It has never been that deep. <laughs> and I think I got caught up in like, oh, you have to follow the formula of like how to be a podcast. I'm like, mm, fuck that. <laughs> Doesn't really feel like me. So this podcast will feel like a friendship with me, which is a little chaotic, a little all over the place, couple too many tabs open, okay? But we're going to have a good time. And honestly, I was never even a podcast person. I've said this before in season one, but I must reiterate, I was not even a podcast person until I moved to Chicago. And I literally only knew two people and I had met both of them once. <laughs> so I would throw on, I will plug them till the day I die. Jordana Abraham and Jared Freed have a podcast called You Up. That's U-U-P question mark. It's a podcast by Betches. It has like great dating advice. I don't really think I'm an advice podcast. Like I don't know if that's really going to be my thing. Um, I go off into like weird tangents and lose myself if I ever try to give like advice. But mine's more like personal experience. But I loved listening to them. I would throw them on every single day. And I caught on to the game kind of late. So I had a fuck ton of episodes to binge. It was incredible. And they just really felt like my friends, which in turn, like really woke up certain parts of me that tend to fall asleep sometimes, you know, like just the more I listened to them, the more I felt like myself. And the thing is, everyone could use a friend. I love, love a good like 45 minute call with a friend who lives in a different city. Oh, my God, is that shit fresh? Wow. Uh, It just makes me, it connects me back to what makes me laugh, what makes me cry or feel things or just, it reminds me, 
of who I am again and kind of resets me. Just hearing a familiar voice and this is going to be a little bit different of an ebb and flow because I'm going to be the only one talking. Um, <laughs> it's funny, like anytime someone says, oh, you have a podcast, like what's it about? I really have been, I've struggled to answer that question because ultimately I'm like, it's about me. <laughs> it's about my life. <laughs> like I will sometimes catch myself bullshitting, be like, oh, it's about like mental health or like relationships or like figuring out what to do with your life. And like, it is about those things too, but it really is just me kind of spouting off a bunch of stories. And listen, I am a storyteller. I actually dated a guy in college. We dated for such a, we literally only saw each other for like a month, but that relationship really left a mark. He was so great. And he, at one point said that him and someone he really looked up to were chatting about like, Hey, if on your gravestone, it would say here lies a blank. What would it say? And I was like, Ooh, okay. I like that challenge. You're like, what are those like, get to know your dating questions. And, but I had never really heard that before. Um, it was unique. And he said that his was here lies a storyteller. And I was like, fuck, that's fucking good. And I tried so fucking hard, so hard for years. This haunted me for years, wanting to know the answer to my question that wasn't the same as his, because I was like, God damn it. Mine has to be the same thing, but I can't have the same one as him. Like that just drove me nuts. But you know, now I'm 30. I think I was literally 21 years old, maybe 22 when I dated him. I have finally come to accept that literally that is my answer to here lies the storyteller. Thank you so much. And storytelling is something that uh, comes naturally to me. I love doing it. So if I can combine that with people who need to throw something on that feels familiar and makes them feel like themselves again, you know, if there's something in me that reminds you of you and that makes you feel good, then fuck yeah, bitch. That's a great little combo. So that's my vision for season two. Episodes are going to fly out randomly. Again, it's going to be feel very much like a friendship with me. <laughs> going to give you a call out of the fucking blue. All right. Um, so let's catch up on what happened between season one and season two. I took a little break. I'm going to be honest. I kind of had to like shut my life down for a bit <laughs> without getting too into it. I knew that I needed like ser more serious therapy than I was getting. I have mentioned this in season one lightly, but um, a couple weeks after I started this podcast, January of 2021, I was diagnosed with a serious mental health disorder that I absolutely, when I tell you I did not see it coming, I was like, what? <laughs> like, excuse. I literally almost looked at my therapist like, who, me? You talking to me? Um, so I was diagnosed with a form of PTSD called complex post-traumatic stress disorder. It's very heavy and very personal. I really probably won't get it that much into it, uh, but I knew I needed more serious therapy. So I went to something called EMDR. This is really good for anyone who has like bad anxiety, depression, or has experienced trauma because bitch, trauma gets trapped in your body and it's tragic the way it happens, but also fascinating. I must say as a psychology major who did nothing with it, um, it's been a wild year of learning all about that and the implications of it's just it's something that I hope causes a literal revolution in our society is like realizing how much trauma exists in everyday life and how it affects our bodies and then also how to like recover and heal from 
this kind of thing. Um, so I had read that EMDR was really helpful for it and I got some recommendations to really look into it. So I was on a wait list for like six to eight weeks, I think. And whenever it was finally time for me to start, I was like, it's fascinating how it works, but they basically, I'm not a professional at all, so I'm not going to butcher the explanation. Google it. But people I know who have witnessed a shooting and felt very shaken up by it went to EMDR. Um, Someone I know who has like a phobia of like a very bad phobia of certain things. They've gone to EMDR. It like helps get you back to the moments where like seeds were planted in your brain. And then, you know, the roots that that seed grows into your body and it helps reprocess something that was like, again, very much not a professional. I'm not. (laughs) This is very just my understanding of how this works. It's like it untangles a really mangled part of your brain. Um, I fucked the audio up here, so I'm wildly hungover and fixing this little 10-second part. (laughs) But the way that EMDR therapy works is my therapist said that a lot of people ask him if it's like hypnosis. Because when you hear it described, you're like, what the fuck? But he said, no, this is the opposite of that. Because when your body is stuck in a trauma loop, like your body is replaying something that happened to you over and over and over again until it can figure it out. So what this does is it helps communicate to your body. This is over. You're in the present now. It's wild. That is just my understanding of it. Um, it's, it, I really recommend it, but I knew it was going to be really heavy and very painful. I was like, I'm just going to take a fucking minute here. I deactivated Instagram for 90 days. Wow. It felt so good. And I just shut a lot of things down to focus on this. Like I barely saw anyone or did anything. I just kind of was a hermit for a couple months and didn't even finish season one. You want to know why I didn't finish season one of this podcast that I fought so hard through a really hard year to keep doing because of one comment. I'm not going to drag this girl. She is a friend of mine. But one comment someone said to me ripping my podcast, like kind of making fun of it. And but she was like being playful, but it fucked me up in the head. I was like, wait, what? Does everyone think that? (laughs) And I never recorded again until now. But like, I obviously that is not why I went to therapy, but it really reinforced. I was like, okay, bitch, I got to kind of reorganize some things in my brain. That's not one comment should not have that much fucking power over me. You know what I mean? So I'm very glad I took the time off season one, you know, never finished. That's kind of on brand for me. All right. And I took the time. It was very painful and really difficult for a while. And then it started to really fucking work. Oh, my God. So anyways, I'm a huge advocate for therapy. If you feel stuck in any area of your life, I don't give a shit if this PSA bums you out. Go to therapy. Find a therapist. If I can fill out the paperwork and figure out the logistics of all that, I swear to God you can. Like, literally, I could not be worse at doing like logistics even for my own life. But it is very worth it. Therapy and getting the right kind of therapy genuinely saved my life this year. So take care of yourself, bitch. This is the only life we've got. It is not a practice life. Getting your mental health right. I know you want to just put it off till later like we do with everything else, but pick that one up. Do that one. Okay. Uh, It's going to help a lot. So that's what happened in the interim. Now, fast forward to me moving to New York. I mentioned a little bit in season one that I was thinking about it and I was a little secretive about it. I only told like a handful of my friends because I want, it was a very complex decision. Part of what I was dealing with in therapy 
which is so random. I had no idea really how much it affected me was I moved a lot as a kid. And I have this pattern of like really running from my problems. I can count at least three or four times off the top of my head in my life as an adult where I've moved just to like solve a problem. And guess what, bitch? They've got your fucking number and they are happy to also move. They're like, no, no, please. It's our friend has a truck. They will move us. It it is no trouble. (laughs) So I was like, okay, I do feel deep in my gut and spirit that it feels like the right time to move to New York because I've not wanted to live in New York my entire life. Like people have always shitted on New York so hard. Like no matter where I've been in my life, people are always like talking shit on it. And I'm like, that place sounds fucking awesome. You guys sound like haters is what it is. And I just felt so drawn to something that I I had never even been to New York until earlier this year. I went this summer for a couple days just to make sure I'm like, I feel like I'm drawn to this and supposed to be here, but I don't know why. And I'm going to like make sure, like give it a good thumbs up. I came here for a couple days, was so overwhelmed. I felt like a fucking country mouse, (laughs) which shocked me because I was like, I'm a city bitch. I live in Chicago. Like, thank you very much. And I basically got run over by the city and I was like, cool, this is great. This will do. I'm, I'm, I am going to figure this out. And I came back in on December 1st is when I moved. So this is my first month in New York and it's been rocky, bitch. Okay, let me back it up though. We're going to do some fun stuff first. So there's been a lot of different things. The, the why of moving to New York has oscillated a few times. I originally was like, I just want to go, period. I didn't really know what I was going to do yet. And then I, a friend of mine who literally works in the movie industry was like, dude, do you want to write a screenplay with me? Because she listens to the podcast. She's also a friend of mine and she loves like my inner dialogue and the way I tell a story. I was like, oh my God. And so for months, I was like, I'm going to move to New York and write a screenplay with her. We are going to be like, we are going to make movies. Oh my God. Like it's going to, it's all happening. And I was like, wait a minute. That's not going to make me money for like a while even if it like ever does. And I'm trying not to make this as chaotic of a move as my Chicago move was because I literally moved to Chicago to like figure out who I was, dead ass. And it was very chaotic. I worked five jobs at once for like a long time. It was like fun, but it was very hard on my body. And I'm trying not to do that again. So I was like, I need to do something and I'm going to give a teaser at the end, but I do have some shit up my sleeve. So I have a passion project I'm working on. Really excited to talk about it, but the time is not right yet. So I was going to work in the service industry again, but bitch, I, wow, does it drain the absolute life out of me. I also realized that I have a lot of, I get really overstimulated by sounds. Like I've had a lot of panic attacks at work at these bars, like secretly in the walk-in and like, I'm like, oh, I don't know how sustainable this is for a long time. Like, this is really difficult and I'm becoming a really jaded person. And so I was like, this doesn't feel like me, but, you know, I can persevere and blah, blah. All that to say, I didn't have much of a plan <laughs> for what I was going to do for work immediately. And I was a couple weeks out, had already started selling like all of my belongings. I've never done that before. That was wild. And I was looking for apartments, which is treacherous. Wow. The apartment search has been horrible. I'm so glad I finally found a place. 
And like I was messaging people and I FaceTimed with this guy and this girl. They're like friends and they live together and I was going to be their third roommate. It was such a good connection right away. I was like, wait, I like really like them. And they're like, okay, well, we're going to like interview a few more people because we already told them we'd call, but we really like you. We think we're, we're going to pick you. And like, we're really excited. We'll let you know by Friday though. I was like, amazing. I immediately called six or seven friends was like, bitch, I already found my new apartment. Thank you so much. Like, wow. And it was in an amazing location. I was so excited that Friday morning. I woke up to a text of them saying, so nice. But they're like, we actually ended up going with someone else. But like, thank you so much. And good luck. with." I was like, wait, what? I was crushed. I, this is something. Okay. So this is a whole story. So I was very upset and I started crying, but then I like have this pattern where instead of just being just upset, I'm like, you know, I actually feel more comfortable turning this into a panic. <laughs> like, let's go into a full tilt a whirl instead of just moderately upset. I'm like, mm, that doesn't really, it's not spicy enough. <laughs> Need it to be a tilt a whirl. And my therapist has so gently been trying to get me to see. He's like, okay, so we're here again. And you were here last week, right? I'm like, right. And I'm like, what does that have to do with fucking anything? <laughs> He's like, okay, so, you know, we're, you're feeling the same way you did. What, you know, how, how, like getting me to see that it's a circle and there are these cycles I go in and he's helping me to find out that I am really in more control than I think I am. I'm like, well, it feels like I'm not. He's like, but you are. I'm like, but it feels like I'm not. And in that moment, I was like, oh, wait a minute. I'm not kidding you. This was two weeks out, almost exactly from my move, I sat there and was like, oh my God, what am I doing? What is my fucking plan here? Like my really mean narrative um, that is, <laughs> I found out is a trauma loop, is telling myself that I'm a joke. Like literally feeling like I'm a joke for trying in anything in my life. Like that's a very harsh inner dialogue <laughs> that I'm trying to extinguish. But I was like, went through that whole whirlpool where I was like, you know what? I am just going to keep selling everything. I'm going to move home with my parents for a couple months and figure it out. I don't know what I was thinking. I cannot do New York. Like what the fuck am I doing? And then I was like, okay, well, fuck. Like then I'm, what do I do there? Like then I'm stuck there. And I just get, I get these feelings that I feel trapped a lot. And I, in that moment, after so much training, Wow, so much practice this has taken. But I was like, oh, wait, wait a minute. <laughs> I'm doing it again. And I stopped. I was like, well, hmm. We've been talking about these cycles. I think I'm doing that right now. <laughs> and I was like, okay, so if what he's saying is right, because literally I'll come to therapy and be like, so I had a panic attack on Sunday. And they'll be like, well, did you do your grounding exercises? I'm like, well, did you do your grounding exercises? Like, I'm so like, yes, I did. And I still had a panic attack. Like, <laughs> but really... I try to digest what they're saying and actually put it into practice for months at a time. Like, you really got to work at this shit. And I, so I resonated and I was like, whoa. And I was able to click myself out of it and be like, okay, could I just be upset? Could I find a middle ground? Middle ground Meg. That's me. Um, because when I get caught up in super black and white, super polarizing thinking, I lose myself. So I was like, uh-uh, Meg is in the middle. Middle ground Meg. Thank you very much. So I was like, okay, let me just be upset. And I kind of like restarted my day, 
put my one of my favorite hoodies on because hoodies make me feel very emotionally safe. I cannot explain it. If you don't get that, I can't understand that for you. Um, also, you are probably in a much better mental health space than I am if you don't relate to that at all. Um, <laughs> and I was like, I can keep going. And I got back online, was messaging fucking 40 or 50 people in a day about like, hey, I saw you guys have an open room. You're looking for a roommate. Would love to chat, blah, blah, blah. And like had to text all my friends like, okay, so that thing fell through. <laughs> all the people I called and said, I have a new apartment. I was like, never mind. No, I don't. And everyone was so supportive. I have the best support system in the world. And I'm very, very grateful for it. They were like, you know what? Like whatever is meant to be will be. And like there's probably some reason behind this, but that sucks, dude. I'm sorry. And like you're going to land in something great. I could barely even get myself to read it when I was on the Tilt-A-Whirl because I was like, no, no, this is not, this isn't, isn't on brand for what we're doing right now. But then I helped myself connect back to really where I was in the present moment by being like, you know what? I deep down think that too. I am a big believer that things always work out the way they're meant to. And I was like, all right, I'm just going to keep, keep trucking along. And because of that, I texted my dad, like didn't get the place. So bummed. I can't even tell you. And he was like, wait a minute. Someone I work with, their daughter just moved to New York a couple weeks ago. And she said it was also really difficult. And let me connect you with her and she can maybe help you out. Because apparently, I don't know if this was a rumor or not, but like more people are moving back to New York than there were living here in the first place. I never got that confirmed, but that it's a very com ultra competitive market right now. So she reached out right, like texted me back right away, invited me to all these Facebook groups like, oh, this is a private one, but this is a really good one here. Let me invite you into this one. It was some bloggers uh, group for people looking for an apartment in New York City. It was unbelievable. And in that group, someone said, hey, guys, since this market is so insane, if you need brokers you can really trust, here are two girls I worked with who I loved. I texted both of them. One of them called me back. And like at this point, I had genuinely moved on, started grooving through my day again. I was like very fucking proud of myself that I was like, wait a minute. I'm in control of these cycles that I keep perpetuating in my life. I think it's happening to me, but it's not. I'm very in control of the patterns that like it was very profound for me to realize how much of the pain I have experienced in my life that I have actually caused myself. Like I saw a me or a, something on some graphic years ago that was like, it takes an unbelievable amount of honesty with yourself to get your shit together and like get yourself kind of back reset. And it's very true. So it was very profound. I was very proud of myself. And I felt like I was just dancing through my day again. So this girl calls me back. I was like, hey, listen, I actually do real estate in another state. Like, I'm not going to waste your time here. I'm looking for someone to tell me if what I'm looking for is realistic, yada, yada. She literally was like, uh, no, it's not. But, you know, great speaking with you. And we kind of just like kept chatting like we were having a great chat. And I was like, hey, listen, at the risk of wasting more of your time, can I just ask, how did you get into that in New York? She sounded like my age, really cool. We seemed very similar. And she started getting into it. I saw, I blacked out. Like I barely even remember how I brought this up, like naturally. But it came up that I was like, well, listen, I, I am always the top producer at every brokerage I've ever worked at. And 
you know, I've thought about doing it in New York, but I don't know. Like, yeah, that's that's the goal long term. She's like, you really should do it in the city. And the more we started chatting for like 30, 45 minutes. And I asked her a ton of questions. I was like, I don't know. Like, I don't know anything about New York yet. And I was like, well, don't you have to have a car? And she's like, I literally don't even know how to drive. I was like, what? Because I tried to do real estate in Chicago and you really kind of had to have a car for it to really go well. And I just I didn't want to do that. I was like, oh, okay. So that didn't work out for a couple of reasons. And she's like, I asked a bunch of other questions that I was unsure about. And she answered all of them. And she's like, you know what? Let me set you up with our head of people at my brokerage, yada, yada. Let me connect you. And I was like, amazing. She sent an email right away. Connect me with the head of people. It's an unbelievable brokerage. I was like, wait, what? And we set up an interview within minutes. Like I sent my resume and everything. I was like, hi, yada, yada, did a whole bit. And the head of people almost immediately replied. She was like, hey, Megan, if you're coming as a recommendation from so-and-so, I know that you'll be an automatic standout. I look forward to continuing the conversation. And then we set the interview. I was like, excuse me? (laughs) Excuse me? Meanwhile, three hours prior, I was like, great, I'm going to move into my parents' spare bedroom in California and just give up on my life. (laughs) But I thought that was very cool the way that worked out that once I got back out of like this fear spiral and panic and back to myself like it is okay to be scared of stuff don't let me start giving advice I get so weird about it but I do want to normalize that moving across the country I get a lot of messages where they're like damn like you look like you're killing it that happened a lot when I moved to Chicago too and like it looks glamorous and all this stuff oh by the way I got the fucking job on the spot thank you so much but it looks glamorous and everything um and it looks like it's so daring and blah I have experienced so much fear around this move I keep telling people I'm like I'm very this is the first city I've ever been really intimidated to move to and people like what you're gonna do so great and I'm like I also think I will do great. Thank you very much. But like the in-between time and the, the leap of getting here has been horrifying and so much has gone wrong. It's hilarious. <laughs> like so much. And I just want to make sure that we don't get it twisted here. I'm going to talk about all of the good and the bad and the ugly and everything in between about big life moves because I really believe in when you feel drawn to something like I I can't remember if I'm making this up, if I made this up in my head or if I read this somewhere. So if I'm stealing someone's thing, I truly apologize. But it was like, fuck a five-year plan. Like, where do you see yourself in five years? No, where do you see yourself, period? Go there. Oh, bitch. I have chills. Chills in my whole body thinking about that. So, you know, go for what you feel drawn to. But know that there's a lot that comes with it. And there's so much good that comes with it, too. I just finished reading Matthew McConaughey's book called Green Lights. Wow, it is a wild ride. I loved that book. My mom said she couldn't read it. I was shocked that the like material didn't <laughs> scrap her out right away because it's a little intense in the beginning. Like his very Texas upbringing, I was like, oh, oh my God. But she said that it was like, oh, it's too all over the place. Um, so it's a little, but if you like this podcast, you'll probably like the book. Okay. (laughs) And he said one of his main points of it was like the target draws the arrow and like just the power of being drawn to something. Oh, I'm a big believer in that. So I got the job the day before I moved. It was very poetic. Wow. 
it was literally like the parachute that I needed right before I stepped on the plane to jump out of. And I was like, yeah, I'm just going to head up there without a fucking backpack. See what happens. So I was like, okay, wow. So that came together beautifully. I also, it's going to take me like a month or so from now even to get fully licensed. So I pitched to them. I was like, hey, you know, since this will take some time, do you guys need any temp work done at the brokerage? Like I have a bunch of social media and marketing experience. Um, like I'd love to help out with stuff in the meantime because I really don't want to work at a bar again, but I would, I will if I have to. But I was like, you know, I was pitching in my head. I was like, they don't have a TikTok. I'm going to convince them they need a TikTok because they kind of do. We went back and forth in this meeting. It got pushed like three weeks in a row just because it's busy and everything's crazy right now because COVID is rampaging through the city. And it, we finally had it last week. The morning of, she emailed me and she's like, hey, let's do 1030. Also, we're thinking about having you do our TikTok. Uh, I almost jumped out of the car. I was like, what? I was like, when we called, I was like, I'm actually glad you said it first. I didn't know if you guys would think I'm a little loony, but like, I think it's a really big opportunity that a lot of businesses are overlooking. She's like, oh, we are on the exact same page. We totally agree. And I was like, amazing. So that also was kind of working out. Um, and it's just like, oh, I love those moments when you're really afraid but you do it anyways. And you're like, oh my God, I'm so glad I did that. And why was I so scared? <laughs> so even if you know something's going to work out, the actual leap, I always think that if I was skydiving or maybe not skydiving because someone else jumps out for you or like very serious bungee jumping, I'm like, I don't know if I could even like jump. You know what I mean? I don't think I could get myself to jump off a cliff. That's how this move literally felt. I was like, I can envision such a specific life in New York. I'm like, I... Don't even get me fucking started about the dreams I have for this. I have so much shit up my sleeve, but I'm like, but okay, <clears throat> getting off the cliff though, like the actual jump is so terrifying and so many things. It has been bumpy, bumpy ride, but a couple fun things that happened like, okay, my first night out, my dad came in town for my first couple days. I, I was like, Hey dad, I'm like nervous as fuck. And you know, I don't get nervous about this kind of stuff this much, you know? Um, I was like, can you just please come to New York? My first couple days, I was like, I don't need your help moving. Cause I just have suitcases. So I was like, can you just hang out with me for a couple days? He's like, listen, hotels in December in New York city have a five in front of the price. You're going to be fine. <laughs> I was like, okay. Like, I know you're right. But then I started tearing up and I was like, I just like want to know what you think of it. <laughs> like I didn't mean to get so under his skin, but he was like, you're fine. But then a couple days later, he called me back. He's like, okay, well, you know, I thought about it and I did buy a ticket. I was like, oh my God. And it meant so much, literally meant the world to me that he came because my dad and I can have fun doing fucking anything, anything at all. We have so much fun. And I was like, I want to be excited instead of, I was nervous I was going to get here and be in a hole for days. Like, oh my God, what have I done? Like, fuck. And my dad was such a good sport because I was so stressed out from the move that I wouldn't even admit to myself how stressed I was, but I ended up getting like this stress fever. It's this really cute quirk of mine where I work myself up so much and also won't admit to myself how worked up I am. And I get these stress fevers a lot. I tested negative for COVID and everything. I wasn't a fucking idiot about it. But 
like two months ago, the story is long and not worth it, but something happened that really upset me and I could, I barely even talked to anyone about it. I was like, I just want to forget that that happened. I went home that night and I started to feel so weird and I was like, do I have a fever? I checked and I had 102.4 fever. I was like, what the fuck? So I literally slept it off and it went away the next day. Again, COVID negative then too. It was just bizarre. And so I, this happened my whole life, but they've gotten a little worse this year. Um, so I'm trying to be more honest with myself, but when I'm very stressed out <laughs> and so I was like stress sick and just so out of it. So I waited for the fever to pass and met up with my dad and he was such a good sport because the trip like just did not go how we planned at all. I was still just out of my mind, feeling out of body and weird. And I started my period 10 minutes after we met up for our first lunch. So it's just like my body was attacking me. <laughs> my body was not adjusting to the change very well. And I cried like six or seven times when he was here. Like we were sitting in Tribeca one night and I couldn't eat. When I tell you that is so off brand for me. Wow. I'm usually the person who's like, if I'm, if I'm stressed and I can admit it to myself, <laughs> I will eat like a whole box of Oreos for breakfast and be like, how are we doing? But I was tipped over to such a level that I, we were in this great restaurant and we were looking at the menu and I was like, we have to leave. I am, I am nauseous just looking at this menu. Like I can't. And so we were sitting outside on this bench trying to figure out like, what the fuck do we do now? And I was just realizing how, how much, what I had really just done. I was like, I really just moved my whole life. It was just becoming very surreal. And a lot of the fears kicked back in. It's not like you overcome the fear once. You're like, huh, okay, I'm over it now. It's like such a perpetual process of being like, oh, right, <laughs> here's the panic again. What do we do? We breathe. <laughs> like we have all these exercises on how to get back into your body. And I we were sitting there on this bench and I was saying to him, I was like holding back tears. And I was like, cause at this point I was still trying to have fun, <laughs> but my body was like, that is canceled. Thank you though. <laughs> and I was like holding back tears saying, I just, I literally feel like I'm in a different country. Like this is so different than anything else I've ever experienced, which is exciting to me. But at the, at the moment it was like very overwhelming and we just, everything is difficult here. And I was like, I just like literally, it reminded me of when I was in Paris because when I went to Europe, I went to Barcelona first and I knew like enough Spanish to get around. But when I was in Paris, my dad said to me, he was like, you're going to have a hard time navigating Paris, not knowing any French. I was like, oh, please, I can figure anything out. It was difficile, <laughs> muy difficile. And I like did not have a great time in Paris because I didn't know fucking French. So that's a little bit how I felt my first couple days in New York. I was like, what is going on? And I sat there saying it felt really unfamiliar. And I was like, then quietly wishing to myself that I could feel something familiar, that something would click around me that felt really familiar. And oh my God. Okay. I actually am holding my tears now. I'm about to say this, but I, my best friend Tyler and I lived together years ago. And when we lived together, he shared his dog with me, Riker. Uh, we call her Rikens or Wiggums or Wigs. And she, um, Whenever we moved into our own places, he would let me have her for a couple days a week. Like she is so special. She is more special to me than any pet I had growing up. Like I love her with such a special part of my heart and saying goodbye to her was like so difficult because she just doesn't understand. It was like, I just am not gonna be able to see her. I can call a friend, but I can't see Riker the same way. So it was very hard. And 
I was sitting there wishing for something familiar to around like something to click where I felt like at, at home or like myself again. And I'm going to pause so I don't like cry. But this dog walked by that looked so much like her <laughs> and I lost it. Like I just burst into tears because then I was like, oh, I wish Riker was here, you know, and like it was just like uh, that was when I finally started telling him I was like, I'm just having a really hard time and I can't believe I just moved. And like, what if I can't do this? And he was so like he helps me get back to myself really well, like he and I are so positive. Like we love a silver linings to a fault. Most times, <laughs> like we, we really like to be like, no, 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 it's fine. It's fine. I love finding the positive aspect of any moment. I really get that from him, but he really just sat with me in it. He was like, yeah, you know, this is an undertaking for sure. <laughs> and it was very refreshing to just have a moment where Everyone on Instagram was like, go, bitch, go. And I was like, <laughs> like falling apart. And that accepting the reality of the moment helps me move on quicker. And, you know, that's something. Another thing I've learned in therapy is like I stuff down my feelings, but I will acknowledge them. Like I've always been a pretty I've seen myself as very in touch with my emotions in my whole life. And I'm in touch with the surface part of them. Like I can acknowledge like, oh, okay, hello. Yes, this is sadness, right? Come this way, you know, and I escort them out. Like I'm like, oh, yes, good to see you again. You are not welcome here, but thank you so much for stopping in. Like I will fully acknowledge these emotions. I'll tell my friends stories about it, but I will not sit with it. You know, I actually learned that that is called intellectualizing your feelings. Look it up, bitch. I'm really not going to explain the actual definition of that well. But it's helped me to understand how avoidant of a tactic that is. And that's been a big thing that's changed my life this year is being like, hey, like I am safe to sit with whatever emotion I'm feeling in the present moment. There were times in my life where I was not safe to feel those things. And you have to retrain your body to create safety around these moments. So, you know, you're dealt the hand you're dealt in life. Ooh, this is getting a little advicey. Uh-oh. <laughs> But you get to groove with it your own way, which is like big fuck yeah energy to me. So my dad was in town for a couple days and then he left. I have a picture of the, when he left, we were in like a weird part of Brooklyn, like took a couple wrong turns and I was so overwhelmed. I get very overstimulated, <clears throat> excuse me, overstimulated from sounds, something that TikTok has taught me a lot, like ADHD TikTok has helped me understand that a lot of my panic attacks um, are deeper than just sounds, but being overstimulated by a really noisy environment with the wrong things going on underneath can absolutely trigger like that is what sets me off, if that makes any sense. So I was starting to have a panic attack because we were on this weird block with like so much shit going on that I was like, whoa, holy shit. And we had like his luggage and we were trying to find something. We couldn't find it. We missed a train. And I was like starting to have a panic attack. And my dad had never seen that. He's so pure. Like I believe with my entire heart that he's like, I just, I don't really understand anxiety. He's like, I, I, I don't quite get it. I believe him that he's never experienced that in his life. But 
he got to really understand part of me where he saw it happen and saw me dart from the situation. And he was like, oh, I see. So your brain and your body, you just get kind of just overwhelmed, overheated, right? And I'm like, yes, they certainly do. And so it was, we were sitting at this bar and he was about to leave. I wasn't even drinking, but I had my face in my hands. It was like two o'clock in the afternoon and I was just crying. I was like, okay, like I know I'm going to do so well here, (laughs) but this is hard and fuck. And he was kind of like laughing with me over how much I was crying. Like he was being very supportive and he really saw me in that moment. But we both kind of were like, fuck, man. Like, so I cherished that moment. Oddly, it was just a hilariously odd couple days. And then he left and I kind of navigating the city by myself kind of helped me click back into myself like that. I love just navigating a city. I'm supposed to go to Mexico in February for like this all inclusive, such a long story, but a trip that I just need to go on before March because it's a COVID thing. And I like am not a big hang at a resort vacation person. I am a let's go into a city and just figure it out. I love that kind of vacation. Um, But I mean, it'll probably be fabulous. But I started figuring the city out, like navigating it by myself, clicked me back in a little bit. And then my friend, whose name is also Megan, completely different Megan, invited me out for a night out with her and her friends. She texted me like a week before I moved. And she was like, I'm so she's friend of a friend, by the way. I've met her twice, if that. Like we both are very good friends with a mutual friend. So she was like, I'm so excited for you to get here. I've been talking to my friends about you. They're going to love you. You guys are all going to hit it off. We're going to go do dinner on next Saturday night. Like you should come. And I was like, shooketh over that. Like it was so nice of her to reach out and to make me feel included before I was even there. Little things like that, just like being, that was her probably just being her truest self. And bitch, that's why there's so much fucking magic to that because that literally uplifted me. And I was like, had something like that to look forward to while I was crying at a park bench in Tribeca because a dog walked by (laughs) and like just that like peppered in such realness to me where I was like, okay, you know what? Something that has helped me a lot in my darkness this year is real people have real love for me. Like I, that grounds me deeply And I was like, you know what? This is a lot. And I feel like I'm spinning like a top, but I can land and I will meet. There are so many people who probably will mean so much to my life. Like, oh, I probably have lifelong friends I haven't even met yet. And that is so cool. So it got that also clicked me back into myself knowing I had that that night. And I was like, okay, let's kind of spice it up. Let's Cinderella ourselves into a hot girl outfit. Okay. So I did exactly that. I washed my hair for the first time in New York and the water here does amazing things for my hair. So I was having a great hair day. I got to say, okay, I'm going to write this down actually. In an effort to not open too many tabs, I just wrote down a story I forgot that I had about hair that I'll tell later. So I looked great, felt great, headed to meet them. It was like this group of friends at a pregame in West Village and we were going to some holiday party. So I get there. We're having a great time. The vibes are immaculate. Like we are dancing, getting along famously. And then I was sitting on this white chair, like in the living room. We were all talking, hanging out. I got up and left the room for like several minutes and came back. 
bitch. This has never happened to me in my life. I came back and realized this chair that was facing the entire group had period blood on it. I'm not talking about a drop or two. It was a significant, like, it was noticeable. I see it before I even get to it. I'm like in the kitchen, which by the way is a foot away from the living room. (laughs) The whole apartment is the size of a saltine cracker. Great location though. And I was like, oh my God, what do I do? What do I do? And I started to like, my eyes darted to the guy whose place it was. I was like, how can I get his attention without getting everyone's attention without being weird about like, hey, can I talk to you in the kitchen for a minute? Like we're a couple fighting at Thanksgiving after being married for 10 years and like thinking about a divorce. Like I was like, what do I do? And in that moment, I froze and then I accidentally got everyone's attention because of how frozen I looked. So they all like stopped their conversation and looked at me. And I was like, um... It was just like showtime in that moment. I was like, so, okay, we're going to talk about something and then we're all going to move through it. (laughs) And I just told them what happened and everyone like jumped up right away, was so helpful. They were like, oh, no worries. It's, you know, it's just biology. No need to worry about that. The guy whose place it was like, was so nice about it. And here's the thing. I don't even think he was trying to fuck me. He was just being a decent person which was very nice, very refreshing, I must say. And it was luckily a white leather chair. Thank God. If it was fabric, I probably, I may have not recovered as well, but I wiped it right up with the Kleenox or Kleenox, Clorox. Whoa, my brain just stopped. Wiped it off of the Clorox wipe, came right out. And we just, the Uber showed up as it was happening. We're like, all right, let's go. And I was like, I appreciate you guys for not making me feel weird about that. They're like, no, yeah, whatever. It happened, you know, it's life. And the girl who invited me, she was like, you're so confident. (laughs) Like, oh, my God. And I was like, all right, bitch, let's go. Like that moment was not something I want to relive, I must say. But it did make me feel like myself again. I was like, all right, bitch, I can figure fucking anything out. All right. Like that. I am never more myself than when I'm just figuring something out or navigating some unfamiliar new territory like that is my shit. Um, I've always been really drawn to like anyone who's like, yeah, I think I'm about to like quit my job or like I think I'm about to start a small business or whatever. Like when they're about to venture into something new and scary, I'm always like, what, what you are? Oh my God, tell me more about that. Like what? I have a hundred questions off the top of my head. <laughs> so love figuring stuff out was a weird moment, but got me back, got me back. All right. So I went out and we had a great time. Like I just, you know, went to the restroom right away at the place and kind of figured that situation out. And we were at this holiday party and it was like wild. And there were uh, bagpipe players, like a group of them. I asked if they could play toxic and they didn't know it. So they were not brushed up on their skills. Uh, (laughs) But then we left there to go to this karaoke place, which was really fun. Then there was a guy who I wanted to go see, and hang out with who had just done a set at this comedy bar. And so I went to meet him and we hung out, like had a drink and Aziz Ansari was literally like three feet from us for like an hour. I was like, oh, what? (laughs) I was like, is that? He's like, yeah. I was like, oh, cool. New York is a wild place. So first it out was an adventure, I must say. And you know what else has been embarrassing is my apartment search. So I 
fun. It, it has a great ending. You know, I'm in a place I really like in Williamsburg. Um, I have two roommates. They, they're young. They seem cool. Oh, my God. Wow. I just forgot about something that happened last night. We've got so many stories to cover here. So they're like young. Um, they're Gen Z. They're really cool. I met them a couple weeks ago. They were cool. I got good vibes from them. And they're both out of town for like weeks. So it's just me settling in. And okay, so I went on a date last night, but the embarrassing story first. So the way people look for apartments here primarily, like, uh, I mean, I'm literally about to be a real estate broker, so this isn't how everyone does it, but a really popular way to find a place is just through Facebook Marketplace. I didn't believe people when they told me that, but that is very much how a lot of things happen, especially if you're looking for like sublet, you know, help me finish my lease short term. Not, not a lot of, I'm not in a very committal place right now with where I'm going to live. So I was looking for more of that kind of route. And it starts with, you see a place, it goes onto some group immediately. There's 40 comments on it. Like everyone's messaging them. So you got to get in quickly. Like I set up all my notifications for everything. I was on it. I felt psychotic. And so you have to send a message selling yourself to them being like, hi, this is the kind of roommate I am. Like, this is where I'm from. This is what I'm doing. Blah, blah, blah. Like I, I, always kind of had like a pretty good message I felt good about, but I was like, am I telling too much information and I seem insecure or not enough? Like, what is it? How does this all work? And so you got to get through that bottleneck just to get them to see your message and for them to like the message enough to message you back. So I got to that process with a handful of people and long story short, I was talking with this girl I came to see it. I was like, hey, I'm free tonight. I'm going to be kind of close to you. Can I swing by and see the place? She was like, yeah, great. It was so seamless and easy. It almost felt suspicious. I was like, well, this is great. I was like, so do you need anything from me? Like, can we lock this in? And she's like, no, uh, let me just kind of talk to the roommates. And yeah, I met two of them briefly. We had a great chat. Like, I actually think we vibed. And I was like, great. Well, hey, let me know if you want to do some sort of deposit. I'll I'll chat with you later. The fourth roommate was gone for whatever reason. She wasn't there. So I followed up and followed up. I was like, Hey, like, how are we doing with this? Um, and we were going back and forth about like what move date would work. And she said, hi, like the next day, like noon, she goes, hi. Oh my God. So sorry. We have one more person coming to look at the apartment tonight. And then the roomies are going to make a decision and lock something in. Can I let you know tomorrow? Also, there's a solid chance. Like we talked about how I might not be able to move till January 1st because we talked about doing it sooner. She's like, would that still be OK? Or are you trying to find something before that? And I was like, that's that's totally cool. I'm flexible. Let me know. I'm excited. Then she said that night, she said, OK, update. The girl who was supposed to come tonight rescheduled upside down smiley face. And if it were up to me, I'd love all caps to get this locked in with you and stop looking. Ha ha ha. But the roomies apparently want to meet a couple more people before making a decision. Ugh. all caps. So I am so sorry, but I don't think we will have an answer until probs next week. So if you need to lock in your other option or keep looking for rooms, cause I like, I told her I had a backup or keep looking for rooms, then please do. What I did not do was take the hint. <laughs> I still don't know. I feel like self-conscious about this, but I don't know still to this day if she was just letting me down easy or if like, yeah, they were just still meeting other people, yada, yada. So I was like, well, you know what? You know, it would be so me is I never met the fourth roommate. Why don't I just go swing by and I'll drop off like a little thing of flowers and a card. Like that's how I got one of 
the most impactful jobs of my life was like my follow-up game is very strong. It's also why I'm really good at sales. Thank you so much. And I was like, I was like, well, hey, are you and the roommates going to be around later today? This was like a couple days later. And I was like, I'm going to be around. I would love to just drop something off for you guys. She's like, oh, you totally don't have to do that. And I went up with this cute little bouquet from Target. Uh, wait, not Target. Trader Joe's and a card. And like, hey, you know, I would love to live with you guys. Yeah, nothing crazy or super deep. But like I also did write on there. I get a little I don't know if I was going to say this on the podcast episode or not, but I with finding roommates, at least I was a little self-conscious. I say y'all a lot and just like with the political climate of what's been going on with Texas and all the abortion stuff recently, I'm like, I'm not gonna be honest. I do not lead with I'm from Texas in these roommate conversations. <laughs> so I said, I'm from Texas. Um, but you know, rest assured I am from the y'all means all part of Texas. I am not from the take human rights away from people part of Texas. Um, I don't know. I just been like, clarifying that a little bit um while I'm here and I just gave them the card I said went up and she said I'm gonna be in the shower someone else will let you in so I met all the other three roommates first of all I was very out of breath I had to climb up like three flights of stairs and I'm in the worst shape of my life right now to be honest and I was like trying not to start sweating as I was like hi good yes good good to meet you yeah you were the one who I didn't get to meet yeah and then the other two guys came out and like it the vibes were so off I it took me eight blocks to shake this off like I felt like I had missed some huge message and at that moment I was like wait was she just letting me down easy and I am being a fucking moron not taking the hint who knows if I was you know maybe I'm being a little hard on myself but it was a weird moment like I was like hey you know still out of breath mind you I was like so yeah um <clears throat> Like, you know, do you guys, are you guys are still interviewing people? Um, do you got, <clears throat> I know I was kind of in a hurry when I saw you guys the other day. Do you, do you have any like questions for me or anything? And <laughs> fully collecting myself as I speak, as they're all staring at me and they're like, yeah, uh, no questions really. Um, you know, nothing from you, nothing here. They all kind of looked at each other. And they were weird about the fact that I kind of gave them a gift. Like, I think they all were like, okay, yeah, we have already decided no on this girl. Now she's in our house giving us a gift. And I was so embarrassed that I was like, kind of trying to like keep it up to be polite to not just dart. But I blacked out. I don't even remember what happened over the next three or four minutes. But then I was like, well, I'm going to let you go. <laughs> I'm going to scoot. And I hightailed it out of there. I was like, you know what? What's meant to be will be. I will find something else. And literally, I the place I'm in now was my backup. And I told her she wanted 1600 Well, is that too much information to say what I paid for rent right now? Whatever. Um, she wanted 1600 for the room. And I was like, well, hey, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm going to go look at something a couple streets away that's like really similar. And I'm going to pay 1340 for that. So I'm very interested in your room. But I, if I get that one, I probably will take it. But then we kind of negotiated. She's like, we can do 1340 for this one if you want. They are pretty similar. Like I showed her a picture and I was like, oh, fuck yeah. So then I swooped in. I hit her up the moment I got down the 
several flights of stairs. I was like, hey, sister, how are we doing? You know, I was thinking about it. <laughs> and I got locked into this place. And so staying with a one of my really good friend's sisters um, in Bushwick, which is a neighborhood like deeper into Brooklyn, because right now I'm only two train stops away from Manhattan. And the place I was staying is 13 train stops away from Manhattan. So I just felt like far away from everything. It was it felt like I was in the waiting room to New York. Like, I don't mean to shit on Bushwick like at all. It really was just not my vibe. Like I am someone who lived in a 265 square foot studio in Chicago because I liked the location like that. That's me. That's my preferences in an apartment. Location's the most important thing to me. Like I want to be close to all the action. That's what my preference in an apartment um like you know whenever you're looking for a place you can never get everything you want and that's something that is my least favorite thing to compromise on and you know I was just so there was so much build up to this move that I was really ready to just start it I planned this move for months and I was like I just want my New York life to start and it felt very transition the whole time I was there so I was like having a hard time like getting the motor going, you know, and I felt like myself for only a couple minutes at a time here. (laughs) So I was like, I want a place that I can unpack and really feel like myself and make me feel like I'm a real person. Um, You know, my dad just had a major uh, like knee surgery today. He's doing very well, recovering beautifully. Thank you so much for asking. And I called him last night. I was like, so are you, are you nervous? Are you excited? And he said, I'm ready, you know? And I was like, wow. What an absolutely all-star answer to that question. And a same, I'm the same way. Like when I'm not panicking or being all like, whoa, look at what's going to happen. Like when I'm not caught up in fear, I am that person who's like, I'm ready. Like, let's go. Let's do this. So Bushwick was this weird limbo where I was like, I'm here, but I'm not. And it just felt, I felt very unsettled, very unpacked. And I was like, it, it was a challenge. Like when my first night out, when I was with that guy at the comedy club, we were in Greenwich Village and he's like, well, how are you getting home? It was like 2.30 in the morning. I was like, I'm just going to take the train. He's like, um, that's like a 55 minute train from here for sure. And I was like, what? Sure enough, we looked it up and I was like, oh, that does not feel safe at this time of night. So I did end up lifting with him back to his place and I just made my way back in the morning and um, like everything, the girl who I live with, everything she does is in Brooklyn. So it's like the apartment's great for her and but there's this, she's never really home. She's always out and about, always doing stuff. She's so great. And I was home a lot because I was petrified to leave the house. So it just felt weird for like weeks. And I was like, every time I left, something heinous would happen. And I would get lost, fuck something up. Just, I was having a difficult time navigating my new city. And then COVID started ran- literally becoming rampant in the city. Like the Omicron, I know, whatever. I can't even talk about it. We're all so sick of talking about it. But So then I was just staying in a lot and I noticed that the other unit in the building is this couple. Boy, boy, do they not get along. They, I'm not going to get super into it because I have a lot of empathy for their situation. Like it seems like they are trapped in a really bad relationship. Feel for them. Hope they get, you know, better. But holy shit, they would call the cops on each other like three or four in the morning, multiple times a week. Like, I heard I called the cops on my very last night there because I heard like dishes slamming and I was like I swear they're gonna kill each other and I'm gonna hear it and then they're gonna kill me because I fucking heard it I was like just I ah! 
And so cops like banging on the door in the middle of the night a couple times. And I was like, what is going on? And then that night that I called the cops, like a couple hours prior, I was like sitting, scrolling TikTok, frozen, not really feeling like doing anything with my life all day long. And I heard in, I was in the living room and I heard a little like noise in my room. And I was like, if that's a cockroach, that's so big that I can hear it. I don't, I will not know what to do with myself. (laughs) So I ran in eyes falling out of my head and it was a mouse, a little mouse, maybe a baby rat scurrying through my room. (laughs) I was like shocked. I'm still glad it wasn't a cockroach. Rats are yes, disgusting also, but like I can't with roaches. So I was like almost laughing at how shocked I was. And I was like, wait, what? He like scurried into the closet poor little guy. He, I scared the hell out of him running in there. He was like, Whoa! like, listen, it's his Sunday too. He's trying to relax. I'm really blowing up his spot here. But I was like, oh my God, I've heard that's kind of just New York. Not everyone has like mice in their apartment, but I have heard so many stories of so many people I know who are like, oh yeah, I had a mouse in one of my first apartments. I'm like, what? <laughs> They're like, yeah, you know, it's New York. It just happens sometimes. I'm like, come again. So I will say, it was not my best situation. Uh, I think it's like a great, it's a, she has a great deal in this apartment and I'm so grateful that I was able to stay like rent a room from her to get myself a place here and land for a couple weeks. Like that was monumental for me also to not have to get to know a random roommate when I was this like flustered crying all the time mess. My first week (laughs) was great. I can't imagine a new roommate being like, so this girl, Seems like a bit of a mess. <laughs> How's she doing here? But I was very grateful that I got to like land there. But um, I did have a rite of passage, couple horrifying apartment situations right off the bat. So I'm like, you know, I am happy to check that off right out of the gate. And something else that I wanted to start doing was I have not dated in a year and a half. Oh, my God. Fun fact about me. I have. This is wild. This is what you get for listening this far into the episode. You get juicy little tidbits like this about my life. I only have had sex one time this year. I realized that the other day. I was like, oh, that's coconuts. What in the world? I'm a pretty like sexual person and I just have been off. Like I could not get myself to form a connection with someone, which, you know, now in hindsight, because I had a horrible connection with myself, like essentially no connection with myself. So I started noticing how bad that was because of how hollow a lot of my romantic situations were. I was like, wow, I like don't have anything to say to this guy at all, but he's literally in my bed. (laughs) And I don't mean that in like a derogatory way, like he's just some like, but I was like trying to go like I went on a handful of dates with this guy and we tried to kind of have a thing um but I couldn't latch on and he was great really cool um ran into him this summer actually by total happenstance it was like great seeing him and we had good sex but I just could not latch onto anybody and my brain was like fink 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 like nothing was catching there um which again was like more fuel for me to be like I gotta go to therapy and figure this stuff out or else I'm gonna be alone forever and I you know was robbing myself really more than of romantic and sexual connections. There was just absolute crickets with my self connection. So 
really worked on repairing that, but I have not really dated, have not gone out, done a lot of partying or anything. I'm not a big casual sex person. I'm not, I don't do super well with that, but I do here and there if I'm out partying a lot and I'm, you know, meeting a lot more people, but I just wasn't really doing that this year. So I, but I finally kind of feel like I think I'm ready to get back into it, especially moving to a new city and like, you know, I'm ready to navigate that again. And I told myself I wasn't going to do dating apps because this is such a tired conversation of like, you don't like the dating apps. Fucking okay. I know that. But I remember when I was a kid, this sounds like I'm trying to flex, but I'm not. When I was a kid, I was at this party for my dad's work or something. And I was hanging out with like his coworkers, kids. So they weren't like my friends, but these girls and they were like obsessed with Leonardo DiCaprio. Like they would kiss the television when he would come on screen. And I was like so perplexed by that. I was like, what? And I just didn't understand celebrity crushes that much. Like, yes, I thought people were like attractive, but I also thought girl celebrities were attractive. So I didn't think that meant anything. I was like, didn't understand at all how much I was repressing my attraction to women. So I didn't think that much of thinking someone was attractive. And I just remember being like, you don't even know what they're like. How could you have such a crush on them? (laughs) I just couldn't wrap my brain around that as a kid. And now as an adult, like obviously the dating apps were really fun when they first came out because it was like new territory. Again, I love navigating new territory. And it was just novel enough that you, you were sharing a novel experience with someone like that's so crazy. We literally met online. And now that's so normalized, which is great. I mean, it's the modern day. There's not a lot of ways to meet people. Dating apps work for so many people. And I don't think that I'm like above that or anything at all. But I was just exhausted. Trust me, I do not like being negative, especially about something like dating that is so easy to be negative about. Like what low hanging fruit to be pessimistic about? (laughs) But I really just after years of trying to make a connection in a way that does not feel natural, Um, it felt very natural to me when it was all new, but as soon as it became like the norm, I started tapping out. I was like, this is not, I don't, I don't, I'm not having fun anymore. (laughs) Mixed with the kind of competitive nature of knowing that all of us are being shown options on a screen endlessly, you know, because I did end up signing up for Hinge because the girl I was staying with, I told her, I was like, I don't think I'm going to do the dating, dating apps. Like I've done that whole merry-go-round. Like, I don't know if I want to do that again. And she was like, honestly, give it a second thought because you can just meet a bunch of really cool people. Uh, even if you don't end up dating them, it is a great way to meet people in the city and like learn about so many different kinds of people. I was like, that is actually a really good point. <laughs> so I had never looked at it like that because usually if a date goes not well, I'm really mean to myself about it or I have like a weird, like it's a weird moment or I'm embarrassed or I try to repress it. And so, but I've worked on myself a lot this year and I was like, you know, literally some of, I'm not really going to get into what my trauma was, but part of it is very interpersonal and men throughout my life have been a big part of my trauma and like men who I was on dates with and things like that. So it's a scary space sometimes for me. And so I was like, you know what though? I've really worked on a lot of this stuff and I have started having dreams. I really cannot say enough good things about EMDR therapy. It was discovered by a woman, first of all, thank you very much. And it targets your subconscious. So it's much deeper than just like talk therapy. Um, And in your subconscious is where it really rearranges a lot of stuff. So What's been so cool, probably the coolest thing that happened to me all year long, kind of a weird year for me, (laughs) not a lot of highlights, but 
I started having dreams about moments that used to make me feel terrified and like frozen in fear. Those moments I've started having dreams about and I've started dreaming about those moments going differently and me in my dream saying to my dream self, oh, okay, I can be calm in this space. I can do that and starting to navigate that in my dreams. So that was literally the coolest thing that happened to me all year. Um, I'm telling you, going to therapy and working on yourself for yourself is so fucking worth it. So I was like, you know, she's right. I could meet a lot of cool people. Even if I don't date them, I'm going to give it a shot. And then I got on Hinge and it was like, give you like six or seven swipes a day. And then they're like, oh, you have to buy Hinge premium. It's $30 a month, a month. What the fuck is that about? Like I put a story on my Instagram. I was like, what the fuck is this? I was like, are we supposed to be lonely and rich now? Like, what is the deal? I was just being funny. And my friend reached out and Venmoed me. She was like, hey, sponsoring your first month of Hinge in New York. Like, go have fun. And I was like, wait, what? That's incredible. A, I was not looking for that. B, I will take it. (laughs) I FaceTimed her dying laughing. I was like, very hilarious. And I had just switched it to men and women. And she is a lesbian guide in my life. (laughs) She has been at certain uh, seasons of my life. So I was like, wait, that dude, that's perfect. So I got on, had been having a good time. um, And I was supposed to go on two dates. Uh, Those stories are not as exciting, but two dates backed out in bizarre, weird stories. I don't even know if I'll get to that, but I went on a date last night. This episode is going to be long. We're about to round it out though. So I went on a date with this guy. We quickly decided, hey, let's just go get drinks. One of my things says, I just moved to New York from Chicago. Like, where's your favorite Mezcal drink in the city? He was saying something about that. And I was like, do you want to just not go back and forth on here and go grab a Mezcal drink somewhere? So we did. Loved that he was into that. Um, And it was a fine date. Like it was going okay very small talk. And then like 25 minutes in, we broke the small talk barrier to like medium talk. We actually broke the barrier. I don't remember exactly what it was, but it was talking about sexuality and different kinds of dates we've been on. And he said that he's been with a girl who was in an open relationship or something. And I was like, oh, interesting. And I had a lot of questions about that. And we like went into a discussion about that. And I had told him, I was like, well, I'm by and because I usually do not tell guys that on the first date because a lot of guys I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to give you the benefit of the doubt and not give you too much information to run with because guys have like hung themselves with that information. I've given them too much rope. They're like, oh, you are. And they make it about them and how like so like do you have a like should we like do a threesome with a girl sometime? Like I'm like, OK, it's not about you. Thank you, though. Um. <laughs> But I just kind of had already, I was like, I don't know if we really have a vibe. And I just felt comfortable with him. And as soon as we broke small talk, I broke small talk because I was like, I don't really think this is going anywhere. But then we started having a really good time. I was like, well, wait a minute. So that's something I want to figure out how to loop, (laughs) jump the small to medium talk bridge uh, faster because that was when I was like, oh, this is, I'm really enjoying my time. And then at one point I was like, we're kind of ending, like, uh, winding things down. And I was like, I actually um, have a joint in my bag. Do you want to, like, walk around and smoke? He was like, oh, I do too. That's awesome. And we we're like, cool. So then we went to my rooftop 
which was close. And um, I was like, do you want to like go just hang up there, listen to music? And he's like, yeah. And I was like, cool. So, <laughs> oh my God, I still don't know what this is about, but we were going to my rooftop, but I was like, let me grab my speaker real quick. Mind you, I'm like unpacking. I've been here for a couple of days, but I got fucking food poisoning. Brutal food poisoning the other day. I had like body aches and chill. Um, I've already had COVID, so no, it was not COVID. Thank you very much. But I had like a fever and like a full blown food poisoning because there's this really cute Asian supermarket by me. And I was like, oh my God, the sushi here is so cheap. It was like $7.50 for a roll. And I was like, what? And it was huge and like incredible. I was like, oh my God, what a deal. And like, I will maybe try it again because maybe that one was had just been sitting out for too long. But oh my God, I've only had food poisoning twice in my life and both of them have been from sushi. And sushi, other than chips and salsa, reigning queen of favorite food, sushi is my second favorite food of all time. So it's a very heartbreaking time for me that I can't really eat it for a little while now. I'm like, ooh, I need to chill for a bit. I will definitely drunk buy sushi from that place again though, but I'm gonna like, I'm like, you're grounded for like a week, okay? So I've barely even settled in. So I have like half packed suitcases all over. I was like, uh, don't come in. It's kind of like a little unpacky in here. And he's like, I just need to kind of use your bathroom real quick. I was like, yeah, sure. So he went in there and he came out and we were stoned to the bone at this point. Like so high. I went to my room to be like, be cool. Like be cool, bitch. Don't, don't get don't be really high and be too weird. <laughs> and so it's a pep talk I have to have with myself every time I smoke weed. <laughs> and like, uh, he comes out, he's like laughing and he's like, it's the sign on the door for me. And I was like, what? Because my roommate, uh, both of them are out of town, but for weeks, it's great. I have the whole place to myself literally to like for a while. And so one of them has a sign on her door about something like, please don't let the cats in. Oh my God, they have two cats. I've never lived with cats before. I'm excited for that. Anyways, I was like, wait, what sign? He's like in the bathroom. I was like, what do you mean that? What, what, what sign in the bathroom? Because I've been here by myself for a couple days and I guess I've never closed the bathroom door. And when I came to see it, I didn't like use the restroom or anything. So I didn't close the door. Like I had never seen that other side of it and I walk over there he was like yeah go go see for yourself he also couldn't believe I didn't know what I was what he was talking about I was like yeah I haven't closed the door he's like what do you mean you haven't closed the door it is a sign that they wrote like a handwritten piece of printer paper that is taped on the back of the door it says all caps pussy wet and fertile like Mesopotamia FYI (laughs) what huh? I have so many questions. (laughs) My Gen Z roommates, what a thrill this is about to be living with them. Like I literally cracked up laughing. He was like, what does that mean? I was like, I have no fucking idea. They're hilarious. I am excited to get to know them. Like what the fuck does that even mean? And why is it taped to the back of the shared bathroom door? I thought that that was I bonded with them without even them being here in that moment (laughs) and then we like went upstairs because I have this like fucking great rooftop I mean it's like a pretty cool view of the city it's not like some 
unbelievable, like some, you know, fancy view. But it's a cool view. You can see a lot of the city. I'm pretty impressed with it, I got to say. And so we went up there, we're just listening to music, and it was actually like a foggy night even. Like you couldn't see a ton of the city, but we just were like jamming out, like showing each other like different, like our most played songs of the year. Steal this from me for the next two weeks, and then you can't steal my hinge answer, okay? I chose the prompt. Together, we could, and I said, go through our Spotify top songs of 2021 and swap stories from the year. That's like, I love, I thought of that answer the other day and I was like, I am a genius. I invented connection, <laughs> but, um, I've had a lot of really great responses to that. And we started doing that last night on the roof, which was cool. So steal that from me. Better yet, I'll lend it to you. Borrow this hinge prompt. Use it again next year, next December, whenever Spotify rap comes out. I am quite proud of this answer. One time there was a guy in Chicago who was like, my uh, most toxic relationship. And I literally saw him on Hinge two weeks, maybe a month after he's like, yeah, I'm just like really not ready for a relationship. Then he's on fucking Hinge a month later and he had literally stolen one of my answers word for word. I like went to match him to be like, oh my God, I can't believe we have the same answer. And he didn't even match me back. Fuck him. Anyways, I ended up in his bed a month later and I brought it up. I was like, wait, how did we have the exact same Hinge answer? Because it was... The prompt, the dorkiest thing about me is, and I said, I say bless you to dogs when they sneeze. <laughs> or maybe it was like simple pleasures. I said it was one of my simple pleasures. He made it the dorkiest thing about him. And he admitted because we were fucked up, like really drunk when he saw each other. And I was like, how did we have the exact same hinge answer? He's like, oh, I saw yours and I stole it. I thought that was really funny. I'm like, then you had the nerve to not fucking match with me? Fuck you. Anyways, I absolutely slept with him a couple times that night. <laughs> But, you know, we've healed from some things. Okay, we've grown. And I love that hinge answer, but I also stole another hinge answer from someone. This is a vortex here for a second. Hang with me. I was looking at a guy's profile and his answer said, I'm looking for something simple with someone complex. And in parentheses, he said, I stole this from someone's hinge profile. I thought that was hilariously honest. But I did also then take that answer. So if you want that, borrow that from me because I'm I have it on lend as well. <laughs> um, so we were up on the roof listening to the top songs of 2021 on our playlist. Mine was Feed the Fire by S.G. Lewis. Holy shit. I love that song. It is such a funky, groovy vibe. Throw that shit on and like dance through whatever is stressing you out. Wow. Anyway, so we were showing each other stuff and like chilling. I was way more comfortable with silence hanging out with him than I ever have been. I have been on a while in a date because I've really worked on myself. Not because like our connection was so incredible, but I was very proud of that. Um, I was like, cool, I'm getting more comfortable with like just letting a moment flow, you know, because I was high this summer by myself. And I was like, I sometimes will get high and think that I figure every single thing out. I'm like, wow, hit I just did one weed and I figured I have the answers to everything now. But I was like, dang, I really feel like you can feel a relationship out so much more through silence at first, like through the silent moments, you really get to know each other and feel each other's energy out in a silent moment. I don't know if that makes sense. But again, this summer I was like, I have figured it all out. And so we were up there just chilling and like 30, 45 minutes into it, he was like, 
so what do you think of like our connection? I forget exactly how he worded it, but it was like, what do you, what do you think of what's going on here? And I was like, well, I got to say, I think that how I see you is kind of more like a friend that I really like hanging out with. And then I think about having sex with sometimes <laughs> I was just really honest with him. And he was like, that is scary accurate. <laughs> we just laughed about it. And I did not have the bravery to ask him what he thought about it. I was like a little too scared of how direct that rejection might have been. But I was, even though I just did it to him, but I wasn't, didn't feel like I was rejecting him. I really was just being, I'm very proud that I was totally honest. I was like, yeah, I mean, I actually do think we have like a cool vibe, but I, I don't know. It's kind of feeling it out. I definitely by no means was rejecting him, but I was just like, yeah, that's more of the vibe. I see this going. And sure enough, we like ended the night and I was going to text him this morning because he actually, as we started to kind of both silently without saying, realized that this was not like a romantic match. He started saying when we had the bisexual conversation, he was like, you know, it's funny. There's been a couple things you've said tonight that he kind of poked fun at me for a couple things. And I was like, I just don't really think that we're like a match. But he was like, the things I've mentioned, like those all remind me so much of this girl that I used to date. And she ended it because she wanted to date women. And I really think you guys would get along. We didn't end on like the best terms. Like we're cool, but we don't talk. And I have thought about reaching out to her to connect you guys because you guys really seem like even maybe you would just be really good friends, maybe something more. And I was like, that's really intriguing. So I also didn't feel like I was sucking the wind out of this guy's sails with the answer because he had said that like a couple times. So that did give me a little bit of tact for me to place my honesty on, you know, like there's a quote that says, honesty without tact is cruelty. And Taylor Swift says, so casually cruel in the name of being honest. We don't even have time in this episode to talk about everything Taylor Swift has been doing the past couple months, but holy shit. Wow. We'll unpack all that later. Also, I think she's fucking up to something. I I feel it in my bones there there. I think we're about to get a new album there. I said it there. Thank you. Anyways. So I'm recording this on December 30th, 2021, by the way. So Thursday. It is 4.17 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So I was going to text him this morning like, hey, I really had a good time last night. Uh, Let me know about that girl. And he told me about some app and a couple of the recommendations about things. And so I was going to send a follow-up text. You know, I love a good follow-up. And because I really would see him again, um, like hang with him again. And lo and behold, I woke up to a text from him. He says, hey, I just want to say I had fun with you and appreciated that we could be silly, honest, and blunt with one another. If you have any interest in playing soccer, we talked about playing soccer together, blah, blah, blah. They're still taking players. But either way, let's find a time to hang and smoke weed again. (laughs) Question mark. And I was like, fuck yeah. So I was thinking the other day, if someone asked me, what am I looking for? What is even my answer for that? And my honest answer is... I have worked a lot on myself. I've taken a big time off of dating. I won't like get too into it or anything right off the bat. But what I'm really looking for is someone that I feel safe with to navigate a territory that feels really unfamiliar to me and someone to have fun with. Like that is what I'm looking for. Because if not, I'm I'm great by myself. Like I'm a pretty independent person. But then the pandemic made me realize that hyper independence is actually a coping mechanism for me. So, you know, finding my own balance with that. But 
I felt good prepping myself for like, oh, okay, this guy seems cool. Like I might have like deep conversation with him as I'm dating just more intentionally. I've stopped matching with fuck boys who I know are trouble. I'm like, literally sometimes I'll see a profile and I'm like, okay, I know this guy is going to buy me the nicest dinners in the city. I know he probably has a boat. I know what this could do, like leveling up my New York City experience wise. It's it's kind of easy to tell with the guy. Like they want you to see that. And I'll see it and I'm like, I know that I could match with this guy and cause some trouble for myself, but it'd be a good story. But I'm like, you know, I really I'm 30. Also, I don't want to just kind of like fuck around. I did that a lot in Chicago. And I'm like, I think we've done that. We visited it. And revisited it a couple times. You know, it's just, it's not for me. I no longer see myself in that. Um, So I'm trying to go where I do see myself, which is more intentional dating. And I was just kind of thinking to myself before, as I was getting ready, I was like, dang, what would I even say to like a question like that with someone who's emotionally available who would ask something like that, you know? Um, And so it felt really, it was a big relief to be like, okay, I, not every date is always going to like flow that well, but I felt confident in myself in something that I'm getting back into that has been weird to navigate at times. And I'm like, okay, I can figure this out and I can stay true to myself. I do not have to escape who I am just to feel safe in a dating situation. So that was like a huge win. And we texted a bit back and forth today. Like we were talking about New Year's Eve and I invited him to something I was doing and we might like link up or something. Um, So it just felt very refreshing to literally both be meaning what we say when we talk. That was that is what I want out of dating. And so much of dating for me by my choice is something that I've perpetuated is like fitting whatever the moment needs. And I'm like, but why don't I just be me (laughs) and not adapt so much to the moment that I have no idea who I am at the end of it? Like, how about we try that on for size? But um, I also borrowed a hammer from this guy down the hall for me. (laughs) He like I needed one because I was hanging one thing up. I didn't want to go buy a hammer for that. And I was like, I'll just see if like I can make a friend like in a neighbor. And he opened the door and he was like really cute. I was like, wait, hi. And him and his friend were there. We kind of, it was like a little bit of a moment. We were like laughing and like, oh yeah, blah, like making conversation. And I was like, well, great. Well, if you ever need a favor, like I'm this apartment, you know, come cash it in. And when I went back to return the hammer, I was like, okay, bitch, let's not break our neck trying to make this a meet cute. Um, but, you know, have a little tab on that. He was cute. But really like a revelation I had after the date last night was like, I can create a sense of safety for myself around moments that I don't feel safe in sometimes um, by just allowing myself to find the blind spots of like where I'm restricting. Like, why am I pretending I'm someone I'm not on dates? What is that? What purpose is that serving? (laughs) You know, yes, it might get you on a yacht, girl, but (laughs) hello, playpen, Chicago, first couple summers. Wow. Actually, just that first summer because, wow, I only had one non-COVID summer in COVID. That in Chicago, I mean, that's wild. I didn't even really consciously realize that. But so, yes, you might get yourself on a yacht. But like, you know, uh, what real purpose does it serve for my emotional well-being and how I feel about myself? Like if I have to squash down really big parts of myself in order to be with this person, then 
this is this sounds like duh but really like I had to evaluate that a lot especially my relationship with dating has told me so much about my relationship with myself and I'm like well what else am I like restricting and faking and like where is all where are all these blind spots and I really spent the year it's been a tough time of like 2021 was way harder for me than 2020. Oh my God. Because 2020 showed me parts of myself that I could not unsee. Trust me, bitch. I tried in like June, July when everything really started to open back up again. I saw people living their best lives, like really having comeback summers, comeback years. Like we are back in blind. Like, yes, you know, no, I don't, you know, most of us knew this wasn't really like over, but there was a bit of a break of release. Everyone's like, God, we can go do things again. And I had this weird lapse where I was like, right. Okay. Uh, great. Yeah. And I was like, wait, I don't want to go do anything. I still want to stay hold in my apartment. I hated that. It was like hot outside. I was like, really could use six more months of winter and wallowing and feeling cozy in my safety hoodies. Like I really was not ready. And I was like, all right, bitch, let's fake it. Let's stuff it down. Come on, let's go have a hot girl summer. And I just couldn't. It was the rug had too much swept under it. I was tripping over it every day. And I was like, okay, as much as I want to fight this, it's time. It's time for me to face Am I going to start crying? <laughs> Maybe. Um, it's It was time for me to face so many things that I've been avoiding for so long, like feelings that I never sat with, but that sat with me. You know what I mean? Um, it, it was a tough time of the diagnosis. Absolutely flipped my world upside down. That is going to make me start crying. That was shocking. And I was like, what do you mean I've experienced trauma? You know, and I was like, what? (laughs) And it was a lot to unpack, but now learning how to care for myself and learning how many ways I was damaging myself with my own behavior has been heartbreaking, but also a really cool way to like rebuild that and be like, okay, well, that's not me. That's like a survival coping mechanism I learned in that moment back then, you know, and now what would present day me do? in that place. And again, like just hearing about this and like listening to a podcast episode, believe me, I wanted that to be therapy. It's not. If this resonates with you at all, I I will shut up about it eventually, but I just cannot say enough how helpful therapy was. Yes, the diagnosis was scary, but it was, I cannot imagine if I would have found that out 10 years from now. I'm, I mean, trigger warning, I don't want to freak anyone out, but like I would not have made it 10 years from now, you know? So (laughs) this feels a little raw, but I know that there's people out there who I am such a fun bitch. (laughs) I really am. And I am so vivacious and really outgoing. And like, I know I look like someone online who doesn't struggle with these kind of things, but like, it's, it's okay to struggle with like really dark things. Like I was just so, I I swear I'm emerging from my flop era. (laughs) All year long, I was reeling over like navigating our sophomore year of the pandemic going into junior year. (laughs) I can't wait. And like figuring out how to accept that my year was not going the way everyone else's was at all. And coming to terms with that on top of this diagnosis. I'm like, literally every time a friend near or far wanted to catch up, I was like, I'm so sick of 
not being okay and having to update people multiple times like, yeah, I'm still really not doing well, (laughs) but I'm here. What's up? Like, you know, and I just was so fragile all the time and I was sick of being so fragile. I was like, I just want to fucking move on. But I knew that I couldn't move on until I really sat with a lot of things I'd been avoiding and then realizing how much of my everyday behavior was avoidant and was perpetuating that. So it was just a deep dive. But I got to tell you, when I lived in Dallas, right after I graduated college, I was like living in a suburb. And then I moved to, I had a job in downtown Dallas. So I moved to uptown Dallas because whenever I went out there, it felt like everyone was there. (laughs) Then I moved there and I was like, wait, none of my friends live here. (laughs) So I got everyone to move to Dallas myself. I was an apartment locator before I was even uh, an apartment locator by trade. I would go tour with them and be like, okay, you're going to live here. You're going to be across the street from me. It's going to be so fun. One time the leasing agent at the building I lived at just gave me the keys. They're like, can you just tour them? I was like, great. Here we go. Off to the clubhouse first. So that was like, once I got everyone to move up there, those years I spent in Dallas were some of the most fun times of my life. Like I look back on that time and when I I think so fondly of Dallas still because I loved and like I really blossomed in that era of my life into myself and who I truly am. And then I moved to Houston for work and my life went to shit and it was a really hard time. Then I moved to Chicago and it was like, you know, my life was so fun in Chicago too. And then the pandemic happened. It was like life goes in circles. And I know that when I was in Dallas and my life was so fun, I literally worked at a startup with 30 of my closest friends and was going out all the time and just felt like I ran that city. Like I don't mean that in like a like pretentious Dallasy way. I was just the most fun bitch in any room. That is when I feel like I run shit. (laughs) Like, yes, it's fun to be at the nicest table with the richest guy in the room and like the most gorgeous girls around you. Like, sure, that's fun, but it's a little hollow and it's not really for me. I am very empowered by fun. (laughs) And I was thinking a couple times during that time of my life, I was like, damn, like life does not always stay this good. And I know that when I was having a horrible time in Houston, I was like, well, life also doesn't always stay this bad. Like I do have always understood that it does go on cycles and the bad times don't always last. The good times don't either, you know, so you just enjoy the ride. And I started feeling, especially whenever I quit Instagram, I'm not going to be so obnoxious as to be like, yeah, I quit this app. We're all clinically addicted to. And I felt so much better, like fucking duh. But I really was surprised how great I felt off of Instagram. I will probably delete it a couple times next year too. Um, Like just deactivate it completely because it was nice. I couldn't believe how much more connected to my creativity I was. Um, And I mean, I could say a lot more about it, but I don't know. I don't really want to drown out about it. If you feel inclined to take a break though, what's important in all of it is like there's obviously positive benefits listen to yourself, listen to what feels right, whether it's Instagram or whatever you feel really attached to in like a toxic way. Listen to your intuition. I am so glad that I did. I was like, I I, want to stop everything. I want to pause everything. And everyone was like, why? And I was like, I can't even explain it. Kind of like moving to New York. I could barely explain why. I have a million different reasons in my head, but every time I try 
to spit them out to someone, it cheapens it. I'm like, it is just this gut feeling that has a lot to it, but it just feels right. And I want to be here and I feel drawn to it and I have some really cool things I'm going to do. But right now I'm focusing on like stabilizing myself, like getting to New York, starting my new job, getting my real estate license, like fucking killing it, hopefully, because I'm so good at real estate, I must say. I'm very excited to do that in New York City. And when the time is right, starting this passion project that I have, y'all know I fucking love an entrepreneurial idea, but this one I'm actually going to do. And I'm very excited and there are some wheels to it. It's got some legs here, but rounding this episode out, I was um, thinking the other day about how a lot of my favorite songs of all time, like I don't even remember the first time I heard it, like Wildest Dreams by our queen, Taylor Swift, Body by Loud Luxury, Slow Burn by Casey Musgraves. Like those are my top three favorite songs of all time. And with each one, I, you know, threw Wildest Dreams on with the album. Body by Loud Luxury was a single. I don't remember the first time I heard it. Slow Burn, again, part of an album. But my first memories with each one was the feeling of craving it. Being like, fuck, what was that one with the... I want to listen to that one. And I'll go through the album to find it. But with Body, I that had just come out when I was on a road trip from Houston to Austin because I escaped Houston all the time because I was so miserable. And I called a long distance friend, little 45 minute chat. You know, I love those. And when I hung up, I was like, dude, what was that song that was at that party the other day? And I was like, I think it was that new song called Body. I looked it up and I listened to it. I'm not even kidding. Until I arrived in Austin, blaring it, like all windows down, losing my fucking mind. (laughs) I didn't even have it on repeat half of that time. I just kept hitting back. I was like, again, again, I want to hear it again. I was just encapsulated by the experience of that song. And like all of the wildest dreams too and in slow burn, like, I mean, I have more favorite songs than that, but like all of the songs that have meant to me the most in my life have started like that. Like the first time I remember is just being drawn to it. And then they slowly but surely become the backdrop of some of my favorite memories of my life. (laughs) Okay. I'm emotional today. I just almost started crying (laughs) again, but I'm starting to realize that I can create a space for myself where I honor what I'm naturally drawn to, whether that's a person or a street or a job or like I'm so sick of doing jobs that I hate and like allowing myself to hold out and like, I mean, I'm skating on some pretty thin finances right now because I'm like, I don't want to work a job I hate, but I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to make it work, you know, and I am finding a lot more peace with that of like, hey, I'm drawn to what I'm drawn to. And I think the life that following that will create is going to be way better than one that I could make up by doing a bunch of fake force shit, you know? So yes, it's scary to follow what it feels right or that you can't explain or that uh, people don't understand. But it also on the other side of that, on the other side of like fear and like your deepest insecurities really is the life that I've been craving. So that is a revelation that makes my brain do absolute cartwheels because I'm like, holy shit, there's definitely a lot I'm holding back on. And I feel like my life is that's something else I said in the very beginning of therapy. I was like, it feels like I have this really intricate vision of the life that I want. 
and I can see it, but it's behind a plexiglass. Um, and I know we're all sick of seeing plexiglass here in a pandemic, but it really was like, I can see it, but I can't reach it. I can't touch it. And being able to even take my first steps to the other side, wow, has been life-changing. <laughs> so I'm excited to be I turned 30 in September to be turning the page of a new decade of my life, doing something I feel really intuitive about moving to New York um, and starting something that I think is going to be really fucking cool. Oh my, you guys are going to die when I tell you about it. And it just feels like, you know what? I am on an up cycle again. I'm on my way back up and I have literally felt my spirit like, shed away the down cycle you know like I am emerging from my flop era okay (laughs) and I honor the flop era but I am emerging (laughs) with more knowledge and more experience and uh, I'm super stoked to be documenting this all even if four people listen to this I'm stoked to just have this as a time capsule of a really cool time of my life so Welcome to season two. Like I said, episodes are going to be dropping at random. We used to have spicy Wednesdays. Today is going to be a spicy Saturday. Okay. Uh, I'm so excited to have you guys along for the ride. I didn't even cover everything I want to cover. Oh, you know what? One last thing. When I was off of Instagram, I got on TikTok for the first time, like just scrolling. I, I didn't post on any social media for 90 days, which was great. Um, But I... I'm a late bloomer to TikTok. It is a wild place. Like at first when it became popular in freshman year of COVID, I was like, there's too much happening on the screen. Like I couldn't figure it out. I was like, that too much. And I would close it every time. I was like, that app just attacked my brain. And I finally got the swing of it. And I started posting on TikTok like 30 days out from my move. It's just such a, an unhinged place, but I, it gives you exactly more of what you like, way more than in the Instagram algorithm does. Like it is very attuned to what you spend time watching, what you heart, like what you double tap. Um, so it's cool. It really just shows you a curated feed of what's resonating with you right now. And I've found myself on a lot of independent artists, TikTok, like People who are like live in some random city and they like want to be a songwriter. So they started writing songs because of the pandemic. And now they're blowing up on TikTok because they're so talented and would have never gone for something like that, you know, but they just gave it a shot because why the fuck not? I cannot tell you how much I love the energy of that. I am so I have chills just now even saying that. And there's one artist who I was very struck by this song. I got to be honest like the words of the song and what it's about doesn't resonate with me that much. Like, you know, it's a cool song, but the feeling that the last 35 seconds of the song, nobody by Renal, it's R E N A O. He like got so popular on TikTok with just this clip that was being used by a lot of famous TikTokers, I guess that someone signed him. I don't know how that all works, but someone signed him for that song. So it got released to Spotify, which coming from, nothing is like a huge quantum leap. I I think from what I can tell from that world and I could not get the song out of my head. And whenever I saw that it was going to Spotify, I was like, holy shit, dude, like congrats. Felt like we were all kind of in it with him and like a part of it. And I was like, this is amazing. So when it launched, it launched the third day that I was in New York. (laughs) I'm literally tearing up again. 
It launched on the third day that I was in New York. And so I got to hear the, fir- the whole song for the first time. And my dad was, was in his hotel with him and he was like showering or whatever. And I felt really down. It was a hard couple days. And I looked up and realized you could see the Empire State Building from where we were. And I was listening to the song for the first time when I realized that. And when I stood up to go see the view, that part of the song, the last 35 seconds that I love so much, hit right when I was walking up to the window. I... Felt like myself for the first time in New York at all. Um, I hadn't felt like myself for one second that whole week. And it just really hit me that I was like, okay, bitch, this is about to be a challenge. This is going to be hard. There's going to be a lot to it. But here I am in a random hotel room feeling like myself for the first time in my new city because of his art bringing me to tears. And I was like, that is so powerful because the moment I was having there with myself was born out of a moment that he had with himself to say like, hey, fuck it. I'm going to do something because it feels right. I feel drawn to it. I'm going to go where I see myself. And that ripple affected into a pretty cool moment for me. And I was just like, dang, the way that following your own intuition and getting to know yourself well enough that you really start to recognize yourself and what's meant for you is art. And I really believe that we are all artists who maybe have not all found our craft. Um, I think that it's not always just painting or drawing or making sculptures or something. Art is so much, there's so much more to it than that. I actually dated an artist a couple of years ago who was, he painted and he was so talented. I was struck by how drawn I was to that. Like we would FaceTime and I would just watch him paint. I was like, oh my God, we did not really work out, but I was still very struck by like the deep sense of curiosity I felt around that. I was just amazed at watching him paint and think of ideas and how it would all come together. I even dabbled back in painting for a bit because I painted when I was in college, but I I like doing that. But I was like, no, this isn't this isn't my thing. There's something, something else. And I've spent the past couple of years really scrapping away at like, well, what is my art? And there's just been so much fucking junk from all of the restrictions I've put on myself and the fake bullshit I've had going on just to kind of fill my life up with stuff. And now I'm taking some of my first steps, actually standing fully up in this realization of like, hey, I have an art form. I am a human being who is connected to something deeper than just this like half awake life that I've been living for a couple of years. And I've really been gradually waking back up. And that's what got me the gumption to start this podcast a year ago was like, hey, I feel awake when I do this. And, you know, it's been a tough year, but it feels like the right time to start this shit back up again. And I'm really excited to have you guys along for the ride because we are all long distance besties now and I can't wait to call you again soon. So thank you so much for listening to Since Nobody Asked. I'm Megan Keveney and I hope you have a very happy new year.